it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, for like, let's be honest and let's get into this and talk about it right from the start and give the facts. For the worst title defence ever in the history, according to Roy Keane, we are the only team apart from Manchester City to actually finish in the top four the season after we went and won the league. So, Amo, what do you make of that? Well, just after we started, I don't think that's in the last 10 years anyway, which is not too bad. Um, yeah, for the worst. At one stage, we were the worst team in the world, weren't we? And we were falling off our pitch, and we were we were awful back down to earth. Crap. Doesn't matter that we had injuries. We everyone else had injuries. Um, we're finished. Shut those scouts up. Um, and that's just some of the kind of things that were said. Mm. Um, and all in all, to finish there after probably what has been an awful season, like, you know, we have to put things, like anything like you put in perspective, don't we, Danny? Four years ago to finish third would have been an achievement, and now we're disappointed. But it's kind of like put it in perspective. It's not been bad considering. Um, I mean, Roy Keane. I think I'm at the stage now where I think because because he can't get a job, a managerial job. Um, you know, he couldn't even hack it at Twitch and places like that. I think he's just being controversial on TV now, so he doesn't get forgotten. Um, because you know he's even having digs at Gary Neville, and I thought uh, Man stick together. But there you go. I mean, Danny, Danny third overall. Considering having been bad at it. It's been good, hasn't it? And I think we're both happy with that. And we're going to go through and we're going to analyse what happened during the season and the different things. Because for the, for the worst title defence ever, generally we were doing really, really well up until January. And we took a little bit of a slump. And we're going to go back and we're going to look at some of those games and the turn and points and all the rest of it. But I think we can't, we've got to look back at the weekend just past. Obviously, there was loads of different games on the line. Me and you both made predictions of how we thought the games were all going to go. Um, we sat there, we watched the matches, we were messaging each other, Jordan. What did you What did you make of, firstly, the Liverpool game, but then all the games in general over that weekend? Well, even Liverpool, we won one up just, you know, just before half-time, which is good. Um, what you needed, you know, the, the money goal was just, just at the right time. Um, but we stayed 1-0 for the team forever, didn't we? And you know what, 1-0, with things changing thick and fast in the top. It's hard to mention just a Liverpool game and not mention the other games because things were just changing so thick and fast. And I had my devices on watching something else, but then they were dipping in and showing you the goals and stuff like that. And, I mean, first of all, if you just focus on the Liverpool game, it was a professional performance. Don't think Crystal Palace had that much to offer. Mm. But as I say, see when I, before we scored, when Anders Townsend was through on goal with Alisson, you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, no. You're just sitting there thinking, oh, no, here we go, here we go. And for a good hour of the game, it was nail-biting stuff. And that's what I predicted. That's what all the fans knew was going to happen. We're both sitting there, we're both feeling the same feeling. Um, and it could have been worse, but it was never going to be too free comfortable. Um, if they got the old goal at the end between all about Salah, very unselfish. But um, 
the game itself was a professional performance. Um, I'm glad we just seen out the job, did what we needed to do. That's all we could do. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was nail biting stuff in between, and there was always going to be weren't they, Danny? It was never going to be. We were never going to go through for half time, were we? Well, I think that's that says a bit of a bad. That's a bad example, considering it was Crystal Palace and what happened a few years ago. But <laughs> it was never going to be plain sailing. That's my point. Yeah, uh, and you're right. And it was an interesting game because it felt for me like for the last game of the season, you'd always knew, and as I said, you discussed it and said about it on the last pod, that it was going to be nerve-wracking, it was going to be tight. But for me, it felt like we were seeing the Liverpool of last season suddenly come out. I don't know whether it's because the fans were there or what, but we seen the Liverpool that, that looked cool, calm and collected. Like even when it was nil-nil, even when Andros Townsend, as you said, got through on goal, there was that little bit of a mistake with the Trent uh, ball across the Phillips that they kind of got mixed up. And there was that moment Townsend missed, went past the post. And for me, there wasn't a part of that game where I thought to myself, we're, we're going to get beat here. We're going to get done 1-0. It felt like it was a Liverpool team who were completely sure of themselves and knew that they were going to win the game. And yes... I think there was a couple of the, the goals were a little bit scrappy and they got the goals went in. But I think Liverpool as a whole as a whole, the, the performance was really good, really solid. And I think it settled everyone's nerves when that second goal went in from Mane, didn't it? Well yeah, what I was saying is like I don't agree with you that I do think that the in between the first and the second goal, mm. um, that's where the nerves were because when you're looking at the things changing so thick and fast, you were thinking I don't think Liverpool are going to lose this game. Crystal Palace didn't really threaten us, you know. Yeah. They're the type of team that, you know, they're happy to finish 15th, do you know what I mean? And they're happy to get the money of, you know, being in the Premier League. And they have the odd result in that. They have two or three results a season where they, they beat the big boys after like, the big boys playing European football or something. And then, God forgive me for saying this, Crystal Palace fans are happy doing that. And when Palace ruined our title, title, you know, chance three or four years ago, they were buzzing. They might have the odd Result against United or City, or and that's their season. So you sit there thinking, them getting a draw against us and spoiling top four is what they can play for. So we always thought that they could potentially get a draw. And I thought with at the ta- at one stage, you know, Chelsea was nil nil, and so was I think Leicester were winning. So you're sitting there thinking, oh no, if we draw and Chelsea draw, and Leicester win, we're out. Yeah. But as I say, it wasn't there in between. But I think with the crowd being there, the intensity of the passing, the way we were playing, you we've got mentioned in commentary a lot. It was just a little bit snappier a little bit faster and it might have only been 5 or 10% but that 5 or 10% is a difference of winning a game in the Premier League and losing a game or drawing the game and that's where we were at and I think we got lucky with the second goal with Mane but it was very unselfish play by Salah um, and I note on the other games I'm actually gutted for Leicester because at one stage mm. Liverpool were third Leicester were fourth and Chelsea were out the, out the Champions League and I would have just loved that because I've no love for Chelsea fans um, but as it happened Bale come off and no more Bale does and uh, they, they got beat Mm. Um, for Salah getting missed out the golden boot, but I mean, came on the golden boot and the assist. You know, what can you say about that? Um, and but I got my prediction right, Villa beating Chelsea. I just had a feeling, and uh, you know, it just it, sometimes you just have a feeling, don't you? And uh, Chelsea in the end were lucky to get in the top four. Um, and the fact that we finished third, Danny, let me just ask you this question. I mean, would you have believed anyone if, it, if you said to someone four weeks ago, would you believe? Maybe if we were going to finish third, you would have just laughed at them, wouldn't you? Yeah, we, we you look back at our podcast from four weeks ago and how deflated we were seeing some of those results against Newcastle and teams like that. And I think we we said a couple of times in the pod, didn't we? We had a discussion where we said, "Do you think Liverpool will make top four? And I'll hold my hands up. I said I didn't think we were going to. I thought we were going to be Europa League and we'd be doing well to finish seventh. So th- there was never a thing in my mind to say that we were going to come third and be guaranteed Champions League football. But that's what a run of games, we've said this all season, is that if you can pick up a run of games, anything could happen this season, because it's been so strange. And as you see, in the last 10 games, we've got eight wins, two draws, and it absolutely propelled us up the league. And, and that's what it, that's what it's all about, like. Well, that's it. We always talk about moments in football, don't we? And, <clears throat> excuse me, we mentioned United, and we had United twice, and there was two big moments, and then the Champions League against Real Madrid, that was another moment. Um, but I know we're going to come on to this in a wee while, but I have to say, I think a big, big turning point. I mean, obviously, we're going to mention Alisson. Um, we've got our guests on Paul Milan in the second half, and I'm sure we'll dip into that. But a big changing point for me, I think, was Villa. They mm. stuffed us 7-2. 
All right, and we hadn't won a game at Anfield in I don't know how long. Um, and then Arnold popped up with a ninety a ninetieth minute goal screamer, like yeah. Um, and we win the game. You know, I think we we beat Sheffield United just before that as well, but that they were rock bottom and stuff at the time. I was it was expected, but that I think that Villa point, that Villa win was a turning point. I say, mm. okay, we drew against Newcastle, and we drew against Leeds. We could have been beat against Newcastle. It was one of those games, but we drew against Leeds, drew against Newcastle. Then as I say, last ten games, one 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 eight, drew, drew two. That that's tight one of them. And I think the, I think statistics prove that in the last ten games we were the best on form. Um, but I mean, Alison, Alison Becker. That goal against West Brom, that was, it's not even once in a season stuff, is it? Make it or once in a decade. That, that, that's, that's not going to happen in our, our lifetime again. A goalkeeper coming up when really, in some, some man, I, I think I'm going to put this across here now and tell me if you agree or not. She manages like maybe Rafa Benitez and stuff like that. They probably would have took the draw, thinking it's better to take the draw than risk getting beat. But Klopp's the type of manager that don't just rock and roll football, heavy metal football, that would send Alison up. I've not, I've longer ever seen Alison up for corner before, but. I know, it was just written in the stars, Danny. That's all I can say. Yeah, and it was. And, and I agree with you. There's a lot of managers, and especially a lot of managers that Liverpool have had in recent years. You look back, as you said, your Benitez, your Roy Hodgson's, your, um, <laughs> all those types of boy, Brendan Rodgers even. I, I think they would have all took the draw, as you said. Tactical managers that think to themselves, right, we'll take the draw, we'll sit back, we'll get the point, we'll try and build on it from there. It's not a loss. Which is what we've heard all this season, and we said, and again, we've said about it in an earlier pod is that we said that it seemed this season that the managers and teams were more concerned about not losing than what they were about winning. And as you said, I think ninety percent of managers would have, and I think there's only the likes of Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, um, that would have sent the keeper up and said, you know what, I'd rather take a two-one loss than draw one all because we need three points here. Um, and and in moments like that. It pays off, and that's what makes a managerial career. I know you don't like him, um, but I think I think Jose Mourinho is the type of person that would have done the same thing because they're those risk taker managers, and and that's what like, so? as a fan, that's what you love to see. Do you genuinely think Mourinho would have sent his goalkeeper in a game like that? I think Mourinho's always been the type of manager that he would he would always rather, except for in the latter part of his career. I think after he came back from Real Madrid, he was a shell of a man that he once was. But you look at Mourinho of old, and he was at Chelsea. He would rather win a game than than sit back and take it. It was only and and I think that that sort of came into his career a little bit later on with the whole go one nil up, completely park the bus and put everyone behind the ball. It was still about winning. It just became a real boring style of winning. Well, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I suppose with those big managers and big game big game players, as such as we mentioned them, category and you know, big teams and big moments. Moments like that do change the season. And I, if I have to look back, I look back three moments that changed our season. Um, I would, first of all, I would go back to the um, Everton game um, when Manny, we were that offside goal that, yeah, I think you could support, you could technically say it was offside, couldn't you? I mean, let, 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 let's not beat around the bush in this like, end, of, end of season review podcast. We can sit there and talk about the first half of the season all day, but you no, know, we got knocked out by Chelsea in the League Cup, but apart from that, it was a decent start to the season. We finished. We were at the top of the league at Christmas, so perfect. And then me and you were chatting at Christmas, saying it was going to be this, it's going to be that, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're Liverpool at this, and no defenders, who gives it? But then it just kind of, anyway, it kind of spiralled down. I think the moments where, for me, would be Everton, when Mane had that looked like a perfectly great goal, ruled out for offside, and like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, secondly, it would be, I think, going, I think it was the... Um, Burnley game where we got beat 1-0 I think that was the second or third game at Anfield um, when you just sit there when you could just see it happen the whole game we had chance after chance after chance and then Burnley just do what Burnley do um, and then for me the, the moment that changed the season completely um, I would say I, I would say Arnold because I'm a scouser and I want to say but it has to be Alisson doesn't it um, that goal against West, when Alisson scored that goal against West Brom you just knew we were getting top four and uh, that was it. So yeah, I, I don't, it's hard to put words into a season that has been not like any other. You know, mm. there's no comparisons, is there? You know, it's been so different. But overall, happy enough. And um, you know, yeah, you have to give credit to Jurgen Klopp for giving the nod for Allison to go um, and and score that absolute peach of a header. 
Yeah. He's in a way to describe it, Danny. It was a peach, wasn't it? It was an absolute beauty, as we've said before. And there's, you sort of run the risk of over dramatizing it and over explaining it. But like, it's a, it's a it's a header that any striker or any midfielder, any defender, or anything would have been happy with. So to see it come from a goalkeeper glancing across top bin, you can't beat it. And and I'm with you on two of them. My other one's a little bit more discreet in terms of big moments of the season. Um, is that I think obviously the Trent the Trent one is up there because it's the Trent yeah. last minute goal that that caused us to go on this run that that enabled us to be where we are now. The Allison header has got to be up there because without Allison's header, we would have finished on the same points as Chelsea. It would have been a far more risky game. This game just passed, um, and we would have only adjust beat Chelsea on goal difference. But obviously going into the game, we wouldn't have even known that, and we'd have probably been the most at risk of finishing fifth. So Alison's header put us in the position that we're in. And I think the other moment that sort of helped us to start to get out of this climb, because I think, as you said, before Christmas, we were flying and there's no sort of season-defining moments there. We start to lose at Anfield. But for me, and we discussed it a few times, the third most influential part of the season for me was when Klopp finally clicked and realised that Fabinho needed to be in that midfield. So, yeah. so that's what I'm putting in there is that we were playing for being our centre back. He was playing great there, don't get me wrong, but we were missing him in that midfield. And Klopp had that moment where he went, "Do you know what? I need to get Kabak or obviously Reese Williams later on and stuff like that. I need to have proper centre backs in their positions and play for being where he is going to be most influential." And for me, him doing that is what has enabled us to go on this run at the end of the season. So for me, that that's got to be up there as well. Yeah, do you know what, Danny? I, it's a point that I, I overlooked there 100% because you had Fabino doing a decent job in, in, in central defence. And like there was times of the season where he was in the team of the week, you know, mm-hmm. for being centre back and getting all these. But you never had someone protecting the centre half that Fabino does. And, you know, Henderson, I think it was Henderson, got injured, didn't he, in the derby of all games? Yeah. And it was kind of after that we started saying it. So, yeah, because Henderson does a different type of role. And, Genie, we'll have a wee five minute tribute to Genie at the end. You know, he's he's been brilliant, but he's not quite like Fabinho either, you know. And um, yeah, that's a very, very good point. Well made, Danny. And as I say, um, we, we've seen a, there's been a, in most seasons, you always see a couple of players emerge, and this season's been no different. Um, I think this has been the emergence of Nat Phillips, uh, Reese Williams, two points. And you have to give credit to the likes of Reese Williams um, because if you look back into that FA Cup game where he was absolutely... Let, let, let's not beat around the bush. He was taking the PIWS out of against yeah. United. He really was. Um, and then he was dropped them for like maybe a couple of months. But then he, 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 had, he had the... You know, I know we're out on Saban Raid online at 9am, but he had the ball to come back in. And we beat United 4-2. And he was there partnering um, Phillips with Fabinho protecting them. And uh, little moments like that, you just you, you have to have a little smile because we've all been we've all played football that's at different levels, but we've all had that game where oh, it's a nightmare and you can't. There's no hiding. But then there, you're playing amateur football, and you know people are going home to the wives and kids and and jobs, and like it's just a game of football for an hour and a half. But these boys, it's their career, it's their profession. Mm-hmm. You know, if if, if Reese Williams didn't come back in and do so well the end season. He could have been a kid of minister, kid of minister, kid of minister Harry is next season because that's his level. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So little moments like that, like Fabinho going to midfield, Reese Williams come back in and doing a job, the emergence of Matt Phillips, which we're going to go into the second half of the pod. I mean, for me, we're going to discuss our player of the seasons and he's definitely up there. But yeah, great point made about Fabinho. But it allowed Reese Williams and Matt Phillips and Quebec for that part of the season to come in and do what the job is. Do you know? So... Great shout there, Danny. I couldn't agree more. And uh, well, well brought up as well. Yeah. And I think it's going to be, I think if you're Reese Williams, you're going to be looking back at that moment that you think of what happened against United in the FA Cup. And then the fact that when he was brought back in after Quebec got injured, it was for that United game. And he marked Cavani out of the game, probably one of Europe's best strikers over the last number of years. And he completely marked him out. And for me, that grew his confidence because when he first came in, he was, he was so confident in those Champions League games that he was playing. And then it just completely dropped Jordan the United once so to come back in, build up his confidence and finish the season strong. I think it'll be a great boost for him. Well, let me just make another point of the season as well, which is a bit, bit disappointing. Jota come in. And the first part of that season, Jota was just on fire, wasn't he? Yeah. And it was um, 
it was just a Jota show basically, and then there was talk about Firmino coming out and Jota coming in, and we'll, we'll talk into the kind of last part of the season of Firmino, Salah, and Mane actually turning up the last ten games, which is great to see. But Jota just played phenomenal, and there's a we I seen a wee thing there on social media during the week. Everyone was given Cavani player of the season. All right, Cavani didn't have no injuries really in the whole season. I think he missed like two, three games. Yeah, from February, Jota missed three, four months this season. If you look at the stats. Jotters are better than Cavani's. Yeah, Cavani's just player of the season. The reason he got all uh, uh, the sign the season, the reason he got all these plaudits is because United have no strikers. <laughs> That's why. You know, and he come in and he, he filled a hole that the the, the the missing probably since Rooney left. And like, you know, everyone's just biased with the man. I had some saying that Cavani just come out. And I love Cavani's quality. Yeah. But if you look at statistics to, to compare to Jota, Jota only played probably maybe just over half of the season. And this is just as good if not better. So um, Jota had a big part to play in this season um, and I think if he was fit things might have been different as well because you talk about Van Dijk you know you talk about Henderson and um, you talk about Gomez and Matip and stuff but Jota was really more or less making a name for himself in world football he scored a hat-trick in the Champions League didn't he because yeah. I think it was against Ajax and um, he got injured as well which was just a shame because he was like the sign that we needed to put pressure on the front three so I think we'll go on to next season probably in our next podcast but that's a big, big point needs to be made. When we lost Jota, we lost a lot of our kind of. There was no one knocking on the door the front three, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was the worry, and especially with Mane and Firmino not playing very well, we needed a Jota. But as we've seen, he had, it was nineteen games missing this season, so he's he's missed a good chunk of the season there. Um, and as you said, we're going to go on and we're going to think about next season and what's going to happen and, and the sort of the pressure that will be put on those front three then and with signings as well as Jota coming back and all the rest of it. Um, but the last thing I suppose I want to ask you in terms of this season overall, and I, I know I'm throwing this to you out of left field here and you're not expecting it, um, but obviously it's been a weird season, strange season as a whole. We're talking about the talking points of Liverpool this season. What do you think has been the biggest shock within the league this season? For, for you because there's been so many different talking points and as you said it's a bit like football's in such a vacuum Chelsea and Leicester have had the best season ever this season and yet we finished above them so it just showed that the season was all over the place what for you has been yeah. the biggest shock whether it be a moment whether it be a team or whatever Um, I don't mean to be a bad person to say this but I'm going to have to follow up is um, I'm torn between West Ham and Everton because West Ham with this great team. They've had a fantastic season. Mm. They, they actually thought they were in the top four. They were deluded. Like, you were one of those people that actually thought it. I don't know if he was playing along to get me to shave my eyebrows. And I think you've, you've got away quite uh, quite easy there, Danny, because I didn't think of a fourth or few. It's just kind of been overlooked. So we won't go there. I won't be that person. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the destructive seasons of bringing other teams up. Um, again, I have to, obviously I have to mention the Man City thing as well, where they were... Had an awful start of the season and they just went under the radar, under the radar, under the radar before you know mm-hmm. they were clear by about 10 points. So you have to give credit to Man City. Um, that it wasn't a shock, but it was it wasn't expected because you kept finding these results in that were just still getting beat by nobodies, and it was kind of good to see. Um, but for me, Carlo Ancelotti and Everton, our neighbours there, um, they were just this great team, they were pushing for top six, they were getting results, they were you know, they had a result against United, I think they drew against City. They were like beating Arsenal, it doesn't take much to beat Arsenal, I suppose. But they were, they were and then as, as quick as we come out of nowhere, as quick as we come from ninth to finish third, from like third or fourth to finish, and was it ninth or something? You know, it, it's like tenth to finish, yeah. You know, it, that was a bit of a shock because you know, it, from what I heard on social media from Everton fans, like Carlo and Slotty was this next big thing, and they had Hamas Rodriguez and you know, Richarlson up front, and, and when they beat Liverpool 2 0, you know. It's not even a big thing now because we're just class and we're gonna we're getting a new stadium and we're this and that and then lo and behold it's just you know what I feel like doing and I know we have issues with copyright music and stuff but you should just play that music on me now when I'm saying it. it's going <laughs> and that's Everton football club for you and that's what happened and then that was one of those moments where I was like <laughs> I was pleasantly shocked because because the way Everton fans gone. Okay, like I think we've got to give them credit to a certain extent, Everton. Like because since they got bought over, they've spent six hundred and forty million pounds on players, 
to be able to improve the team. And when the new owners came in, they were eleventh in the league and now the tenth. So that's progression. Like, well done, doing do well. There. And they and, and they avoided relegation, you know, <laughs> uh, which is always good. But I mean, just a, just a wee joke before we, we get Paul on. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of the pod there for the worst team for a title defence ever, and we finished third. Like, come on, like you know, some fans just got a bit. They, they believe they were hyped, didn't they? Liverpool got beat in the first time in a couple of games in like three or four years, and like all the other fans were like didn't care about what was going on with their team. It was they were all like Newcastle fans and West Brom fans and Burnley fans, and you know, they had they had the Facebook statuses wrote out before the end of the end of the game and all, and it, it, they just kind of nothing to say now. And I let me just put it out there. I hope VAL beat United tonight. I hope so much. Um, I will. I'll. I'll go out and buy VAL top if if they beat United tonight because then it turns out that we've both had no trophies and they've only finished a couple of points above us, which actually means nothing except for nothing. Yeah, yeah. which is apparently in their their best season over the last five years. Um, so it's going. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. And and as you said, there's been so many moments, and I think I'll finish us with a few shout outs before we get Paul on the second part of the show as you said it's been such a weird season this season for me the highlights as a as a whole um I think you've got to give a shout out to Phil Foden and how he's come about in the Man City team like I know the rival teams and all the rest of it but he has come up as an absolute prospect and he looks a world beater this season so he's going to be interesting to watch in the Euros I think we've said about Everton the money that's been pumped in the fact that Leeds in their first season have come up and finished above them, the season that they've put in has been amazing to watch. Uh, and I think a little bit of investment, the money from the Premier League, Leeds, I think, can, can be in with a real shout of growing in the Premier League next season. Um, but I think for me, the biggest shock of the season has got to be Sheffield United going from Europa League to bottom of the league and relegation. Like that was a massive one for me that I was just watching their demise. They didn't. It's not as if they sold half the team. They didn't do a Southampton and have to rebuild. They lost one, maybe two players during the summer, and completely. You know what? And Ryan Brewster went from sitting on the bench at Liverpool, where he probably would have got a good chunk of the games, to sitting on the bench at Sheffield United, and he still hasn't scored. So that's a bit. That's a bit. It's a shame, isn't it? You know, he hasn't scored a goal for Sheffield United, and uh, he could have sat on the bench at Liverpool and done the same thing. You know. Yeah. And I think I think what we've got to say about that is the fact that you'll look back on this season and people will always have that discussion of, yeah, the fans are important, but these are professional players. They should be able to play anyway. Sheffield United, for me, were a classic example of how fans affect games. For them to finish seventh last season and for them to be relegated long before the season finished, um, for me, that was probably the, the biggest shock, even more so than Liverpool finishing third. Um, so it's definitely been an interesting one. It's been interesting to look back on, and I'm just glad that next season we're going to be playing Champions League football again, like we should be. That's it, that's it. So, in the second half of our pod, we have got Paul Moran coming back on by popular demand, um, and we're so glad to have him on. He's going to give us his insight into the season, what he's thought about the games, uh, and also looking into next season as well. So, we'll be back in a few minutes, and thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Alright folks, welcome back to the second part of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well, um, back by popular demand, um, we've got the late, great Ronnie Rand's front, Paul Moran. Also, he won't, he won't big himself up, but he played in the, the B team of Liverpool for a couple of years as well um, and held his own. He's followed Liverpool religiously um, home and the way um, he's our local amateur photographer around all the, the grassroots and, and Merseyside um, and he's getting a bit of a name for himself on our podcast so first of all Paul uh, welcome back how are you doing? I'm doing very well thanks not too bad at all that's good and um, I'm sure as as me and Daniel you're delighted how Liverpool ended the season yeah you know it was uh, six games to go I remember saying to someone all we can do is win the six games or five games it might have been and see where it takes us and it took us to third. So why yeah. he would be happy at the start of the season if someone has said you're going to finish third behind two Manchester clubs, you wouldn't have been happy. But once we reached the position we were in in February, although it's not something to celebrate, I think it's something to be happy with because, you know, we could have been in 
you know, could have finished up 10th or something, you know, where teams thought they were going to do much better, ended up type of thing. So it's one of them situations. I think Diego Jota said the other day, you can't celebrate being third, but from where we were, it's one of, it's probably the best place we could have ended up from the situation we found ourselves in. Yeah. So you've yeah. got to be happy with it, but I don't think celebrating it would be the uh, right thing to do. I don't think anyone yeah. has either to be. Yeah, well, that's what me and Danny were just saying, that like in perspective of the season, and that's what you have to put it in, it's actually been a decent enough achievement. It's not been like the season before, but considering what's happened, you have to kind of, OK, job done, move on as such. Um, tell me this, Paul, so we're not going to divulge too much in the early part of the season, because up until Christmas, it was kind of all going, apart from the League Cup defeat, which we mentioned, it was actually going all right, wasn't it? And um, we had yeah. the emergence of Diego Jota that you just mentioned. He came up in the first part of the pod there. Um, Curtis Jones was getting more game time. Um, everyone was fit and firing, and we were top of Christmas. Um, obviously, after Christmas, we had a couple of changing points. Now, tell me if you have to pick a couple of changing points in the season after Christmas. Um, obviously, from where we were to where we are now, what would you pick? I mean, the obvious one, and I'll, I'll prompt you. This is Alison Beckham moment, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I, I just think we just seem to lose emphasis in January, February. I don't think it was one particular thing because. You know, obviously, you've talked about the injuries at the start of the season. It, it, it was just a, it was just like a fall off in performance. And they say winning can be a habit. I think losing can be a habit as well. Mm. And I don't think you, you don't go out to a game thinking, oh, you know. Well, I mean, I you said before about playing for the B team. I ended up playing in the local leagues here, and I didn't play for very good teams. I used to just enjoy playing, and. We, we go into games thinking you lost the week before and you think, oh, we're going to get beat here today. And generally you would. And I think, and it was a mindset amongst the Liverpool fans who are now, you were going into games against the likes of Burnley and Brighton thinking, oh, blimey, we, we, we're, going to, we're going to get beat here. You know, before the game. And if you've got it, you know, the players are on a different level, obviously, but it just seemed to be they were expecting things to go wrong. You know, we were getting decisions against us. We're missing hundreds of chances. You had the most shots on goal without being an actual goal. I think it was something like 170 odd or so, some ridiculous amounts of shots. But you're getting shots in from the wrong positions and people weren't playing well. Uh, you know, you talk about who you pick for your player of the year of the season. I mean, my favourite players, uh, Mane, generally, but he had COVID in October. I don't think he ever really come back from that. But the last two games, the Burnley and uh, Christ, I've gone. Who did we play on Sunday? Palace. Uh, Burnley. That's good, isn't it? Top, top insight there from the expert who's forgotten <laughs> who we played three days ago. No, played Burnley and Palace, and Mane looked a different player. You know, he was moving around well. He obviously got the two goals as well on Sunday, but he, mm. he looked a he looked a different player to how he's been when there's been no fans in the ground. Now, whether you could say. Someone said he reacts better with fans in the ground. He, he must know there's like two million people watching him on the telly when we're playing. So I don't know how valid that would be as an excuse. But I, I seen a lad out doing me walking and he said, you know, Mane's been disappointing this season. I said, well, he had COVID in October. Oh, did he? I can't remember that. And it, it, everything seems to be all the different stuff that's been going on. Things have been getting missed. You know, he, he had that. He, apparently he's been for his own. Ask the club to send him for various medical tests yeah, because of yeah, our because he just look, he looks knackered during mm. games and obviously the last two games he hasn't. So whether it's a fans thing, hopefully it is because then they'll be fired next season. And Paul, so if you have to pick a couple of so you say the interest and we just kind of went into like losing, but if you have to pick a couple of moments, so me and Danny brought up in the first part of the pod, we brought up the Alexander Arnold goal um, against Villa in the 90th minute. Which for us was a big moment, and yeah. obviously the Alison uh, Becker. But you have to pick a couple of moments. What would you kind of pick that kind of okay to give us a chance to change our mindset or whatever it was? You know, it was probably that. It was probably the the, the, the goal against Villa. You know, because you're looking at yeah. it, and you think I'm. I was out watching the game that day because uh, it was funny because Villa went one up, and then Firmino scored just before our time. So we're looking at our phones. You're not looking at your phones at the game, but you look at it. Oh, it's one one, and then. After half time, we put the phone back on and we were getting beat 1 0 again. How's that happen? Like, but Firmino's goal got disallowed. So when you get to 1 1 and then you think it's the 90th minute, and then you hear a little shout from the side, someone said, Liverpool's just scored. And I said, Christ, that's good. And it's things like that that can 
set the season or set that end to the season in motion. Because if you did draw against Villa, you don't know what the mindset is going into training the next week. And, you know, we, we've lost so many ridiculous points. You know, like the, the one of those rattles me was that someone put a video on last night on Twitter of the uh, VAR decisions. You know, that it's difficult to say because then you get other teams' fans saying, you know, we're the only team that benefit from VAR. So I'm not quite sure how they work that out when you look at the video. But the one at Brighton was the one that done it for me when he gave the penalty against Robbo uh, for kicking. Oh, was well, that on the edge of the area, wasn't it? Well, he, well he, he like kicked the ball, then his foot, and he gave a penalty in the 93rd minute. Like it, it just wasn't a penalty, and then some of the offsides we've had against us. But it's it, any season. I mean, if you look at any season, the season when we won the league, and you think what's uh, in that season, and that, again, that was the goal against Villa there as well when Manny scored, and that when we were one 0 down with three minutes to go and beat them two one in the November yeah. or the December it might have been, but it was it was end of November, early December. Yeah, well, yeah. He's, he had the header, wasn't he? he scored the header from like, the yeah, but people said that, that goal changed the season. It, it just meant we'd won eighteen out of nineteen when we won it, but it just felt a massive thing. Mm. And again, Trent's goal against Villa this year, it's like Villa all the time, you know. You can say you want to play Villa all the time, but you have beat 7 2 by the mistake. It's not an ideal announcement. We were saying, weren't we, in the first half, um, a big a big VAR decision that really, really great that me, um, Paul, I don't know if you remember, was in the derby when Manny, we had the offside, didn't we? Manny actually, it was offside by maybe a, a toe or whatever it was. Do you remember when we were chatting about it? Yeah, the one yeah. yeah. Manny, had, we had a goal, I think. It was Henderson that scored, what am I? Right? Or... Well, I'd, I'd actually walked, I. All the local teammates of me is Marine, and I'd walked. It's about twenty minutes to go. It was. Uh, we think we were we winning two one. I get beat two one. We winning two one, weren't we? And then it went to two two. Yeah. It went to two two, and then I got to Marine. I walked into the ground. It was by one corner flag, and my son rang me and went, "Henderson's just scored." So he's made up, and I walked down the other end of the pitch. Spoke to the lads from Marine, and now we were warm, warming up. Shouted to one of the big Liverpool fan, Anthony Miley. He come over, was talking to us. Then he went back training and then the phone went again and went, it's been disallowed. And it was like six minutes after the goal. I went, why, what's, what's happened? Like he went, he, Manny was offside by, a, well, he wasn't. He didn't look offside. He, he still never looked offside. Yeah. Because them lines go all over the place. I love to know who's still, what he, the people who do them lines are drinking because they're not straight. <laughs> if you wouldn't go, I used to do geometry at school years and years ago. And if you did, you know, all the lines, are all, they're all going different ways. And, and the, the other one, that struck me was the uh, Leicester City one when they did the line from the shadow of Firmino's foot. Mm. It wasn't even it wasn't even his foot. It was the shadow of his foot that looked like a black boot, and they put the line from there when it was he had white boots on. It's like it, it, you know, and it's never been explained, and no one ever gets brought up about it. You know, all, all other teams have had. I mean, Leeds had that one when Bamford was pointing where he wanted the ball, yeah, and then yeah. he came offside against the top bit of his arm. I'd like to see someone score with that bit of their arm. I know Balotelli did it once playing for City when he knocked yeah, one over. Yeah. The, yeah, he did that. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever seen it. But it's not like I mean, Firmino had a goal disallowed for his armpit being offside. Well, yes, that's another point. Well, as you say, you don't want to kind of celebrate the season. Um, but I don't know if you know this, Paul, but with me and Danny living here in the island of Ireland, over here, it's kind of Liverpool United. Like you get the odd, odd weirdo that supports Celtic or Spurs or something like that. But it's basically Liverpool United. And uh, see the stick that we take, particularly myself living in a small town. If Liverpool get beat, I'm like the uh, you, 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 you throw me out and they start egging me. That, that, that's what I can't even go to the shop. Um, <laughs> so for us to finish third after what's been an awful season, it's not been bad, has it? I mean, I don't want to get too happy, but some of the shouts today were saying, "Oh, like the worst team in the world after being the best team in the world." And Let's put things in perspective. It's not, considering it's not been a bad season, has it? Well, how can the worst team in the world finish third? Because mm. there's 17 teams below them, so you've got to look at that yeah. way. But, you know, you've, you've got to take into account, are you sure they're all it's egging you and having a go at you because of the football? Or is it just... Uh, I'd say it's just because it's ammo. It's because it's ammo. You might be just saying, <laughs> you have to go be there. I'm not going to show up They do just go for me whenever like Liverpool get beat. No, it's it's funny you say that. You talk about things in the season uh, and Alisson's goal against West Brom is, 
I put on a Twitter at the time. It's still the funniest thing I've seen us do. When I say funny, uh, it's just I I get my missus has a go at me. I get angry when Liverpool score because I think of how many people have had a go and how many people it'll annoy that we've scored. So I I tend to get like angry when we score, like a happy angry if you know what I mean. It's just like yeah. getting all that like you shouting at people when we beat Everton when Origi scored the uh, ninety six minute winner. I I was shouting around the ground at the Everton fans and my son's gone, Dad, we've just won, you know. Like, and I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, get out. And I'll calm down. Like, no, you've got to do it. But to, to, going back to what I was making the point of, Alisson's goal against West Brom just made me laugh. I literally yeah. laughed. And it, it's not a normal reaction from us. It was just laughing. But it's still the funniest thing I've seen. On a, I've seen other goalies score, you know, on YouTube and that when it shows it. But... For that particular 94th minute and him going up and thinking, you know, this, and as Jason McAteer said on the telly on the day, I don't know why he's going up. They never ever score. So I've mm. seen my lad played there in goal for years in the local Northwest counties and the Saturday leagues here. And at certain times, he'd go up for corners at the end of the game. And it, it was amazing. He used to get involved in what happened because no one ever marks the goalie. Because yeah. Big Sam's on afterwards saying one of the players should have took responsibility. Imagine if someone had walked away from Fabinho and they need have edited it in and the fellow went, oh, I was marking the goalie. What are you marking yeah. him for? Big Sam with his hindsight, you know, and everything, he knows everything in reverse. It's a ridiculous thing. Too. He said a few ridiculous things after that game, to be yeah, fair. But, you know, it's like people not blocking your view when you're, you're there. You know, like, yeah. my hands aren't blocking my view now. That's where the player was type of thing. You know, he, he yeah, wasn't in yeah. front well, of yeah. He was in front of him, like, what? Yeah. Some header, wasn't it? Some header. That was the point as well. It wasn't just like he he, he, he did, if you, if you like, it, not the right phrase, but he did a proper header as well. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. A, a deliberate proper header into that far corner. And the other thing was, is uh, that lad used to play for Rangers, was by him when he did it. Uh, the one who's always angry all the time, Barkley or Barkley, he was... He was the nearest one to him after he did it, and his face was a picture when it went in. I was quite. I was watching that. There's a video, isn't it, of five minutes, 31 seconds of every angle of the goal? Yeah. It's just all yeah. the goal. I've watched, I haven't watched it. I've, I've watched it a few times. I don't watch it all the time now, but <laughs> after the day after the game, I was watching it. As I say, it was just making me laugh. Yeah, 100%. Well, as I say, it's been one of those seasons where, well, I say, we're not jumping on the tree, but we're, 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 I don't know the right word, Danny, probably. Happy enough with what happened, considering. But in every season, a couple of players emerge and have had good season, bad season. We know some of our players have had great seasons, talking about your manies um, and stuff like that. And obviously, at the end, we're going to give a wee five minutes of to Gino and Alden. But just before we do that, um, I'll come to you first, Danny. Who's been your probably, let's say, let's name three players, but if you have to name one player this season, why who would you pick? But maybe mention a couple under, and then we'll come to you, Paul, and I'll mention mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, as you said, it's been tight margins, and I think we could have done a lot worse this season. We talked about all those VAR decisions and that Derby one, and Van Dyke was another one, the whole Van Dyke getting injured, not unhappening, there's repercussion for it. Um, so it's it's been a mixed bag season. It could have went one way or the other, and I'm glad it's gone the way that it has. I think, for me, you can't look past Salah for player of the season in terms of the way that he's played, the numbers he's put up, um, considering considering everything that's gone on, considering what's been chopping and changing around him, different midfield. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about Mane and Mane being off form, even though he still had Robertson feeding them. Um, so he was still getting his usual outlays to be able to score. It's just that he was having a bad season. Salah had to put up with injuries to Trent and not playing that well when he came back. Henderson not feeding them through in the way that he normally did. Thiago coming in and trying to adjust to the league. Jota coming in. Firmino not playing well. So to still put up the numbers that he put up at the end of the season, playing the way that he played, still be in the title for the Golden Boot, I think you can't look past Salah for player of the season. Um, but for me, there's been there's been a couple of boys I think that you've got to put up there as well. I think Allison, with all the stuff that he's been through this season, with the the family death and all the rest of it, um, to still play the way he's played, uh, to still have the season that he's had with injuries and all the rest of it, I think he's he's worthy of a shout out. And then we're going to come to Genie Wijnaldum in a bit. And for me, that's probably one of the biggest blows of this season is losing Genie at the end of it because I think he's been the one. 
consistency in that midfield. That he keeps the ball, he plays consistent, and he's a he's a solid centre midfielder. And I think we're really going to miss that. And I think he's been he's been really good in a, in a changing team this season. Yeah, and Paul, who would you? So Danny said Salah there, and given mention to one Alden and Robinson and Allison, who would you say would be your player this season? Um, Paul well, and why? I'd have to agree with everything he's just said about Salah. Is it for him to yeah. get the goals he's got? All right, you know, you say sometimes he goes into his little blind alleys when he's playing. But it's just the way he... If you watch him back three, four years as he's played, he does that all the time. Mm. And he scored lots of goals. He can't have a goal for doing it because other times he gets through doing it. It's just how he plays. I think the lads, he's understated himself when he scores. And I mean, as he said himself, the happiest he's been this season was when Alisson scored. Yeah. You know, that's, and again, that just sums him up because one of the things the fans say is Salad, he doesn't really look happy, but he never has done. It's not something he ever has. He's never gone around grinning and laughing and joking when he scored. He never really does or when anyone else scored, but I certainly put him as the player of the year in a difficult year in a team where really no one's stood out as being the best player, if you like. And his goal-scoring record speaks for itself on the season with the service he's had. Talk about Mane, he's not been, not fit, but he's had the COVID, as we said, so he's not been right for me. You know, he's been struggling a bit. My other favourite player or player this season would be Fabinho in midfield and at defence for the job he's done being put in a difficult position. Mm. You know, it's whichever way you look at that phrase, a difficult position. I think he can play centre-half, certainly. I don't mean in that, but he's been moved about. He's been swapped around. He's had different partners. He's got the new lad, you know, as he was at the start of the season, Thiago with him. So he's got to get used to how he's playing and he's not with him. So he's saying Wijnaldum will be a loss, I think, if you get them two in the centre of midfield. Wijnaldum did a fantastic job for us, but I think they can cope. If you've got, you say, Henderson, Thiago and Fabinho in midfield, where would Wijnaldum have played in that three if that three, if them three are fit? Mm. It's no yeah. disrespect to Wijnaldum, what he's done over the years with us and the things he's made. It's great to be able to say when a player's leaving, you can look back at the things he's won the Championship and the Champions League because the last few years people have left and you think, well, they've won a League Cup or they've won this, that, the other or they've won nothing. So he's got that to look yeah, at. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And that, that leads quite nicely into, into the one Alden um, conversation. I mean, you only say that about winning big cups. You mean, look at their count the years he put on the pool and he only walked yeah. away with a League Cup. It was yeah, a well, shame. What I will say, boys, is I'll pretty quickly, is I'll, I'll agree with you on my play this season. Has to be Salah, and it all it all goes down to numbers. In a season that's not been great, he he hasn't even been. I wouldn't even say he's been great, but he's still got thirty one goals. So um, amazing. What I would say, boys, I'm surprised none he's mentioned them was the emergence of Nat Phillips. Um, maybe I'm getting a bit too hyped up about him, but I just love the story of being fifth or sixth through centre back, going potentially getting sold to a championship team, and to come in and play what was a 15, 20 games towards the end of the season. And I don't know if I'm you know, can you give a player a season? Someone's played half a season. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being that typical loving underdog. But I have to give a mention to that Phillips boys because he's come in. Okay, he's not pacey, but you don't need to be pacey. Look at some of the great defenders we've mentioned this whole time. For me, Matt Phillips, if it wasn't for being an attacker and loving Salah, I would nearly give it to him because he's come in and he, it just looked like he wasn't going to do nothing. He's come in, he's done such a great job. He's been caught out a few times, but some of the goal line clearances, the tackles, um, I don't know, it's just a cold here. What's your thoughts, Paul, before we go into Genie? Well, you again, no, it, yeah, well, it's something you'd, you'd look at. If, if you said in last August, our back four at the end of the season will be three from the academy, which it was, and yeah. Robbo from Hull, you'd be like, Christ, hang on, what's going to happen here then? And then the theorem. I think the thing with Nat Phillips, and it's not a criticism of the lad, I think he's been playing to his maximum potential. For these games, I think I, I can't say he won't improve. That's wrong because you might have better players with him and everyone. The better players you've got around you, the better players you have. But where you could say the likes of Trent was, wasn't performing to his maximum. Andy Robbo has played every game and he's done his usual job, but he hasn't had the movement in front of him to help him get his usual, you know, nine out of ten every week because mm. he hasn't been having the assistance from the other players because of how everyone's been playing. But I don't think Nat, I, I'm, I fear that Nat Phillips could get found out next season by right, attackers yeah. from other teams. Finding, yeah. you know, I think he can't go 
much more than he has been. But he's done a fantastic job for us mm-hmm. in this circumstance. But I don't think he's the. It would be a long term thirty games a season, man. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Whether he's happy yeah, with that. Let's see, boys, because I think I think he's been an emergence, and that's what I think that given the right partner and playing to his strengths, i.e. not leaving them maybe one on one and a fast player, yeah. I think it could be an emergence. But let's see, let let's see what happens. He, you know, as I say, it could he could have just filled in a slot for the time being and done it all right job. Again, um, if if, if you do this next May, May June next year, and Nat Phillips has played thirty four games alongside Van Dyke and been, you know, we've won the league or whatever, you know, with a massive leap forward. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I wouldn't say you that. I didn't think he'd do that, but I'm just saying to you, I don't think we'd struggle. If we started next season with Reese Williams and Nat Phillips, you wouldn't be happy mm. as the two starting centre-half. So you can look at that, where if Van Dyke and Gomez had played on Sunday, you'd say, well, they'll do next season. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's, I'm not I'm not criticising. I, I hear, I'm not I hear criticizing. what you're saying, and it's a good point, well made. Um, you know, goal against <laughs> Burnley, he has stepped up and he's done exactly what you'd want him to do. But maybe oh, his passing's got better as well. So I might be, yeah. I might be wrong. You know, he might, he might hey, do well, this let, next. This is what's all about. It's all about opinions. And, and hey, he, he's someone made a comparison there. It, on, not um, a criticism, the lad. I don't no. want it to be taken. Someone made a comparison that he would be perfect mm-hmm. for Burnley, and, and and I can't actually argue with that because he probably is like a Burnley type player. But but anyway, listen, yeah. I, I have to give a special mention to him because for me, it's been great to see someone kind of go from nowhere, not like not even making the bench to being a star. And I love to see stuff like that. Um, but anyway, guys, listen, we've got a couple of minutes of podcast left um, of the season with you, and we have to mention um, the departing Genie Wijnaldum. He come from Newcastle. Um, I always remember that this is a personal story of mine, sitting in a bar in Ireland, and I was criticising and criticising and criticising, like he gives the ball away, blah, blah, blah. Next thing, he pops up with a header against Man City. And it was like, wow. And it, yeah. he, he's actually he's become a bit of a cult hero for that. He's come up with some most important goals. Don't even need to mention Barcelona, we know. But as you mentioned before, Danny, he's just become, he's been messed about a bit with partnerships this year. He's, he's, he's been captain a lot of the times. Um, and it's a shame the way he's kind of left. But I think at the same time, as you say, Paul, even though it's a shame the way he's left and we haven't kept on to him or whatever you want to say, maybe we want a new challenge, you know, Dutch players usually do. Um, in like a minute, Paul, and, and yourself, Danny, how would you describe um, one album's, you know, legacy at Liverpool? People, I've heard, I heard someone describe him as a legend. And I heard someone else say, well, you can't call one album a legend because you look at Gerard, you know, and, and players like that. They're not on the same level, which I don't think anyone would agree. But how would his legacy stand at um, Liverpool football football? Well, if, you know, this is something with him leaving now. It's become a question that's been asked a few times. The, the, the greatest compliment I can play with Alden is that he, for me, is the modern equivalent of Ronnie Whelan at Liverpool with his passing, his tackling and the work he does, the unnoticed work he does. There's some players who like to be noticed when they're playing. I think just when Alden, the way he plays, mm. he's always in, always available for the ball. He's got an incredible amount of skill. He's probably got more skill than people who don't watch him a lot, but all the time would appreciate how much skill he has actually got. He can hold the ball up and his, his passing, I'd love to know his passing statistics are, but that's what we always used to say about Ronnie Whelan. Because people wouldn't have Ronnie as one of your star performers. But he'd get the ball, pass it, he'd win a tackle. And when Alden's the same, he, he does that job. It's like an unheralded job in midfield. But with I think, depending on... Again, as I said before, if you've got the other three, if you've been looking at it, if you get the other three in midfield, where would he play? Because I don't think he could play wide out on the left. Because you're going to have... You know, Robbo bombing down there to be getting in each other's way with Manny in front of them. It's one of them things. You don't know what's happening, again, behind the scenes at the club with the saying, he's leaving. Perhaps they've told him there's no place for him next season in the team if everyone's fit. So he's let his contract go and then he's away. Barcelona or Bayern Munich or wherever he goes and good luck to the lads wherever he goes. Yeah, well, that's a point. He'll always be welcome back. And he's, I mean, just quickly enough, those two goals against Barcelona. I mean, you look back at that game and it was unfortunate Robbo getting injured um, and then Milner stepped into left-back and yeah. one album come on and score those two goals, which was just... That's history there, isn't it? That's history. But you know, you know when they always say about sliding doors moments? You watch the video yeah. of the Barcelona game, imagine if the effort sends him off for whacking the goalie in the face after the second goal. 
There's no one ever mentions that. He goes and gets the ball back on the goalie's the goalie's got the ball in the net and he goes and grabs it off him and he hits him in the face as he's getting yeah. it. The goalie reacts like he's hit him in the face. Now he could have been sent off for that. And you know, this sliding doors, they call it like where something happens. And imagine if he'd have been sent off, then we wouldn't have got the third goal like we did. And you never know what would have happened. So mad moments. Yeah, I mean, and that, that first goal was a bit scrappy, kind of went through um, the goalkeeper's hands, and then a header was just, I mean, it was it was as good as you'll ever see, wasn't it? So, yeah, I mean, moments there, and as I say, he's been a great servant, loyal servant, and uh, he's in the peak of his career, so I don't blame him, you know, kind of going away, but it would have been nice to get a couple of good for him. But, Danny, what do you think, Juan Alden? What, what legacy does he leave at, at Anfield? I think, yeah, for me it's a hard one because he's he's won so much, he's done so much, he's he's had big moments. We remember, like when you think back at sort of legends of the club, you you think of Gerrard, you think of Daglish, you think of Rush, you think of big moments, big moments that they've been a part of. And Jeannie Van Alden was part of some of the biggest moments of our recent history. And as you said, those two goals against Barca uh, probably sort of topped that off really. Um, he leaves with a, an absolute host of trophies that we've won over the last number of years. Um, so he's he'll definitely be remembered fondly. And I, I take I take Paul's point that I think he's probably left at the right time. I think in terms of securing his legacy and securing being known as a great player, he, he's left at the right time because I think if he was to stay next season, he would struggle with, with Thiago and Henderson and Fabinho and stuff. I think he, he offers something different in that midfield in terms of the way that he holds up the ball um, and the fact that you can trust them even in tight spaces to take the ball and know that you're not going to lose it. Um, but I think he may struggle to, to get into that squad and sort of fizzle out. And we've seen players do that in the past. Um, you, you're going to probably watch Origi do that and other players over the next couple of years as well. Um I think he's left at the right time, but I think he'll be remembered well for coming into a team that was struggling when he came in, let's be honest, and has really helped steady the ship and improved season on season in terms of his play and stepping up. Um, so I like I, I, I love him as a player. He was great at Newcastle. I think he's improved so much at Liverpool, and I think he's, he'll always be fondly remembered. He'll end up probably back playing for the Legends teams in, in a number of years' time, and, and he'll always be remembered as a, as a great player. Like. Yeah, well, as I say, um, what kind of last shout out to, to the likes of Gina and Alvin, as I say, I think you made a, hit the nail on the head there, Danny. He probably did leave at the right time, and as Paul mentioned, he might struggle to get in the team, but say he's won those cups, he's he's come to Liverpool from, from a, a mid-table Newcastle team, come to Liverpool, and he's played at the highest level, and he's going to go to another team at the highest level. Um, so there you go. Listen, guys, it's been a brilliant podcast there, uh, Paul. It's been great to have you on. Um if you have to sum the season up in one word before we go, Paul, um, I know that it's hard to do. In maybe one in word. Couple, what, what would you say in a couple of words, maybe? I'll, I'll let you offer two or three, maybe. We've underperformed. And there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and Danny, <what> you? <laughs> By the way, Paul, um, just let you know, this is being recorded this will go on YouTube, so all the facial expressions and all the stuff we've done today, it's, it's yeah. all there. So you could have that, talked that before, rather than at the end, like... <laughs> <laughs> Good. And Danny, what about you, mate? What would you say um, in, a, in a way or two? I think you've got to say it was probably mental and unexpected in terms of the way Liverpool have gone, the, the up-down of the season, Sheffield United getting relegated from a European place uh, and everything in between. I think it's just been unexpected, mental, and I'm looking forward to normality coming back next year. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Um, and I would just say, <laughs> you said it was unexpected, but for me it's just Liverpool. Since I've been a Liverpool fan, they've put me through everything and they've done the same again this season. So uh, thank you very much. Me and Danny will be returning um, in the next week or so um, with a special on the Euros. Um, and then we will also be doing a preview season, uh, preview pod for next season, um, speaking transfers, um, how we're going to line up um, and whatever's in the news at the moment. Um, it's been great, great season um, for ourselves personally with some great guests on. Another um, than Howard Gale, the first black player to play Liverpool. Um, Chris Kirkland and the story that he told us about Rafa Benitez. We've had Keaton Mullen you on, some great big guests, and obviously to top her, to top her off with the late great Ronnie Ransom Paul. He used to play for the B team and has become a hit on this podcast. So Paul, thank you so much for having you on. And um, from man Danny's perspective, it's been a fantastic season for us. We are going to continue next season. If you can if you can be asked, excuse my friends listening to us, then we'll be grateful. But in the meantime, 
or have a, a, a great summer. Let's hope that we can enjoy the Euros um, and you'll never walk alone. So thank you so much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.